0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to see each and every one of you here, and we are so happy to have our visitor here with us today. I appreciate you being here and hope that you feel welcome and that you stick around afterwards so that the people can meet you. What I'm talking about today is what's called the Golden Rule. And the Golden Rule is known just about by everybody. Everybody. Everybody that you talk to, they'll say, practice the golden rule. And that sounds good, but sometimes it's a little harder to do than what it sounds like. So in Matthew 7, 12, he says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This passage is the sum total of what Jesus has been teaching about our attitude toward God and towards others. How I treat others is how I treat God. And so he is laying down something that is very minute and he's summarizing just about everything that he said. And this is how we are to to approach every relationship that we have. I don't care what relation, whether it's husband, wife, whether it's in the church, whether it's out in the world, this is how you approach the relationship. You do unto others as you want them to do unto you. So it's indeed a golden rule, and we can talk a little bit and a little bit how that became the golden rule. But Jesus' is teaching... An old teaching with a new kind of thought. In other words, you can hear things all of your life and not really understand fully what they mean. And so I hope to get a little bit out of this today as to what he is really meaning. Other people had taught very similar things. Other religions teach very similar things. But as I put these on the board, I want you to pay particular attention of what the big difference is in what Jesus taught and what others teach. So pay real close attention to the difference. So we're calling this the golden rule versus the silver rules. And whenever you think about it, The Hindu religion, for example, he says this is the sum of duty. Do not to others which if done to thee would cause thee pain. Do you see the difference in what Jesus said and what this fellow said? Sounds very similar, doesn't it? And then if you go to the Buddhist religion, it says hurt not others that that, that which with that which pains you. Hurt not others with that that pains you. Well, that sounds very similar too. And then when you get to the Jewish tradition, what is hateful to you, do not to your fellow men. That is the entire law. All the rest is a commentary. And that's a powerful statement when you think about it. But that's not what Jesus said. I want you to notice the difference. If you went to the Baha, uh, uh, the Muslim religion, no one is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. Well, that sounds good, but that's not what Jesus said. And then when you go to the Baha, religion he or the Bahia he should not wish for others that which he does not wish for himself nor promise that which he does not fulfill and then we have Confucius Jesus said I want you to do good to others Do you notice the difference of what Jesus said and what they said? The other says, don't do. And when they say, don't do, they're saying, don't hurt. Jesus said, do. And he didn't say, don't. In other words, one is saying, don't do this. And Jesus says, do this. And there's the big difference in what other religions say about others. While they sound similar, that Jesus said, in order for you to be a good neighbor, in order for you to be a church, good church member, if in order for you to be a good husband, in order for you to be a good wife, in order for you to be a good child, you have to do something. And if you don't do something... You're not practicing the religion that Jesus wants you to practice. It takes an action for us to really do what we're supposed to do. I know that it's very hard. So it's do and don't, do and don't. You know, that's one of the problems that they had in the Old Testament do you remember he says don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't don't, don't and that's like writing it upon stone, now we write it upon a heart and he says you know what, if you really love you won't do these things, do you follow that if you really do what you're supposed to you won't do those things but you will be doing something that really is going to help So, it's a guideline for treatment of others. It's in harmony, he says, with the law and the prophets. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 20 through 28, he said, For I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whosoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever says to his brother, Reka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. And go or do something towards your brother. That's go to him. It's not enough if I love you. To sit there and say well you know. And this is a big problem with people. In fact my son-in-law. Or my my wife's son-in-law. He has the idea that when somebody does something to you. You just forgive them. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that you are to go to them and the Bible teaches that when they repent, you should forgive them. Now, unless somebody repents, there can't be forgiveness that means anything. You just leave that person in a terrible thing. One of the things that you do when you have a problem is you confront that problem, try to get the problem settled, and when you do that, you are doing something to try to help that other person. We can just say, don't go over and slap him. Don't go over and, and talk bad about him. Don't." Do. But that's not enough. He says, I want you to treat him in a certain way. And if you treat him in a certain way, he says, then you've accomplished what I want you to do. How do you think about when he says, first, I want you to be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your a gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him. That is, you do something, lest, you deliver, lest your, your, your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer to be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I want you to see something. It's not enough to refrain. It's not enough to pull back. It's what's going on in your mind. This is what I have to do in my mind for this to be right. And I can't be right if I'm thinking all the time all of this bad. So when Stephen does something wrong, what do I do? I go to him instead of just saying, well, he bugs me. You know, everybody bugs us. You realize that? Everybody... If you live together, and Sheila, it's good to see you back this week. But, but Dion bugs you sometimes. I think that's why she wasn't here last Sunday. I think she got bugged real bad. But you can, you can sit there and not confront it. You can sit there and not do anything. You can sit there and just say, I'm going to be hurt. But one of the things you have to do is you have to do something about it, whatever you can. Now, it doesn't always work for the other person, but it always works for you. If I really do what I'm supposed to do, try to help you with everything that I have, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm pleasing to Christ. If I don't, I'm not pleasing to Christ. You know, that's one of the things that one has learned a lot One has learned that whenever you cook eggs, don't tell your wife you cooked them for yourself because it's her breakfast. So how do you think about, in your mind, really, how do you think about murder? Well, murder is terrible and everybody recognizes murder. How do you really think about that? Doesn't the Bible say that If you hate your brother, that you're a murderer. And you know, we don't think about that very often. We just look at our brother and say, you know, I'm just indifferent to Don. Don's a good guy, but I'm indifferent to him. I don't care whether he does or whether he doesn't. When you get that attitude, you have really murdered him. Because when I don't care about Don, then I don't care really about God. Now, that's how serious this is. We can't get serious, any more serious than that. That the best that I I can treat God is how I treat you. And the problem is we forget that. We see, you know what, I can see all of your faults, but I don't see your goodness. And you, there is so much goodness in you. I just Frank and I was talking about Mary yesterday. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> but Frank said, "I have so much admiration for her, so much admiration for her and how she keeps going and going and going. And you know, Mary, I think everybody that loves you has that attitude if they don't love you. It doesn't really matter, does it? When we look at each other, are we really there to help that individual or are we there to criticize that individual? And that's a question, am I going to murder them in my mind? You know, when we talk about each other in a negative way, we really hurt the reputation of that person, but not only the reputation We have killed them in our mind. We don't want anything to do with them. And so God says, be very, very careful about this one. What do you think about adultery? You know, I've had so many people in my office that say, I just can't quit looking at these girls. I'm not worried about you looking at girls. I'm worried about what's going on in your heart towards those girls. Did you follow the difference? You know, there are pretty people. (laughs) You may say, you know, I really don't like his preaching. That's okay. And you may say, I really don't like his personality. That's okay but i hope you're saying i love brother french i love him because he's my brother and we're both in christ and christ died for him with all of my faults and all of this in you still love me even though you recognize i do have faults And that's one of the great things about marriage. Isn't that the most wonderful thing that you can have in a marriage or in a church? Is that we do have faults and we do have all these problems and we do have pain. And the one thing that I'm going to tell you something. I've thought about the pain that so many of you have gone through. The pain that you must be having inside of you. And all I can do is imagine how bad it is because you can't imagine the pain that people go through. I pray about Sherry all the time because I I know a little about what goes on inside of her. I can have a feeling towards Larry as a father, but it's different for a wife. And that wife, I, I just sympathize, but I don't know what to say. And so we say nothing. And so I try to do that with God. I try to talk with him about Sherry. I try to talk to him about Frank and about Angela and about about everybody that's going on. Tyler and, and by the way, this young man here, he's down at Northridge, and he loves it down there. And that's great. George don't leave on that. Uh, George is a good man. And your adversary those that are truly your enemies what goes on in your heart about that? Do you realize so many people let the other person that is your enemy become their master? That's what they think about and that other person they're not interested in what you're thinking but you're thinking all the time about how you can't stand, how you can't uh, tolerate to even look at them. Somebody said to me not very long ago that every time they saw Donald Trump that he they just shook inside. It is awful. When you have that in you, guess what? You can never look in a positive way. Do I like everything the presidents do? No. But you know what? Policy ought to be how we look at at presidents. Right? And I'm just talking as a Christian perspective. I'm not talking right or wrong with either one. I'm not going into politics. I'm just saying that the leaders that we have that we ought to look at them in a certain way. Some of them I just feel sorry for. Well, don't let it eat you up. You know, over in Romans the 13th chapter verse 8 through 10 He says, owe no one anything except to love one another. If you notice there, he says, what you owe that other person is to love them. You owe that to them. How well do you pay your debts? If I owe you love, am I paying that debt to you? Now, you have to ask that question. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Man, that is a good feeling. If i fulfilled the law, then I've done what the law required. Does that make sense? I've done what the law requires if I love you. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery... You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. When I have the right attitude towards you and am willing to do something for you, Instead of to you, then I'm fulfilling the law. Now, it's all summed up in this one thing. He says, if you want to be right with God, get right in this way, and you are right with God. Now, do we all get off a little bit? You know, that's one of the things that I notice, is people become an irritation sometimes. And you feel that inert, and you feel that. Think about that irritation for a little bit. Have you ever thought about the irritation that people give you? I've seen it so very often. I have it, and you have it, because somebody doesn't do things the way that we think we should. Instead of confrontation, we let it bother us and bother us and bother us and bother us and bother us. We need to learn one another better. Over in Matthew 19, in verse 9, he says, Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do I have to love my parents? I think I do if I'm going to honor them. They may be bad parents, but I'm to love them. Our problem is, as we get all this love is some gushy feeling. And that's the problem when we define love. Love is, and we talked about it really in class this morning. Love is whenever I overcome my emotions and say I am determined to do what's right because God said so and because that person deserves that because they're in the image of God. I am determined to do that. Determination is something that we have a problem with. If I can get determined that I'm going to do that then it's going to be done no matter what the feelings are. Do we have irritations with other people? Absolutely. And that's a physical thing. Do you realize when we get to heaven, we're not going to have these irritations? You won't irritate me anymore. You know, when you go to sleep when I'm preaching... That used to bother me, and then I thought, no, this is about the only time they get good rest. (laughs) These things get inside of us, and they just bother us and bother us and bother us until it takes control of our life. We need to learn how to truly love. I've heard people say that the Pharisees bugged Jesus. No, Jesus was trying to correct them. Jesus was loving them. Jesus is saying, you guys are wrong, and you need to be corrected. You're hypocrites. Now, can we be that honest with each other? Could we be that honest? I'm afraid many people just get up and walk out and say, you know, if I said, well, you're being hypocritical. Do you realize that that's exactly what Paul did with Peter whenever he met him and Peter had started out eating with the Gentiles and then when the Jews came down, well, he quit eating with them and he was sitting over here and Paul came down and he said, I stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. And do you know what he was saying? He's saying, Peter, you're a hypocrite. You preach one thing and you practice another. Wow. And Peter says, you know what, Paul? I love you. You got me corrected. You got me straightened out. I tell you. That's marvelous. In Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, I don't care how low you sink. I don't care what you do. God may be very disgusted with the way you are behaving, but he loves you. Okay? And he says, I want to help you straighten up. If you don't, then you're not fit for society. And God can destroy, but he says, don't you do that. Let God do that. And then finally in Galatians 5, 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because you see, if I really love my neighbor. And I'm not talking about having these fuzzy feelings. If I really love my neighbor, I love God. Now I get fuzzy feelings about God. I may not get fuzzy feelings about you. But even if I don't get fuzzy feelings about God. I love him. I'm determined to do his will. I'm determined that I'm going to follow what he says. I'm determined that that is my authority. I'm determined that I'm trying to get everything that I do in word or deed. To fall under the category of doing what the Lord wants me to do. So we can say this, Jesus is just the opposite of what I am. Jesus is positive and not negative. I'm a negative person by by design. And by design I mean something has happened in my life that made me a real skeptic on things. I hope that spiritually I'm positive and negatively... From the standpoint of the world disappointing me. That's where I'm at. But I don't know. I have to keep asking myself over and over. Am I really positive towards people? Do I really look and see them as who they are and not what they've become? Now, if you don't get that, you've missed it all. You know, the history of the golden rule is kind of interesting. A Roman emperor, Alexander Severus, and he lived in 222-235 A.D. He observed the Christians that they lived a different life than other people. And he was so impressed that they kept quoting that they were to do unto others as they would have others do unto them. That on his wall, he had inscribed in gold the very words that they were to do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. And that's where the golden passage came from. It came from the word of God, but it was coined then that this is the golden text, this is the golden rule, as he did upon his wall, is exactly what we're to do in our heart. We're to inscribe it in our heart that this is how I'm supposed to teach everybody else. This is how I'm supposed to treat everybody else. This is how I'm supposed to approach everyone else. So, the examples to apply in teaching the lost (laughs) you know what trying to teach the lost is a frustrating thing especially in this day it used to be that you could get a Bible study fairly easy it's very hard to get a Bible study now even with church members but teaching the lost is something that in 2 Timothy 2, through 26, he says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. I want you to notice he's telling this preacher go out and when you're contacting these people this is the kind of an attitude and demeanor that you're to have and don't go there to quarrel with them go there to convince them. What a difference. We love to quarrel. I found out that I'm a quarrelsome fellow. I really am. I'm a quarrelsome fellow. I, I delight in arguing with other religions and sometimes my motive is wrong. We should never have a motive other than I want to win them. I want to win them to Christ and recognize that in order to do that you have to listen to them. Find out where they're really at. And if you don't do that, you're starting in the wrong place. So find out where they're at. Listen to them. In Ephesians four fifteen, but speaking the truth in love. Now you know there's a lot of a lot of ways you can beat people over the head with the word of God. My wife gets out of hand. I say, wives, submit yourself to the your husband. And if she wants to say something in church that I disagree with, let the women keep silence in the church. (laughs) Right? You can beat people to death with that. But if you really use the word of God with love, with really loving them, really caring about them, really wanting them to hear the truth, and you wanting to hear the truth, I'm going to tell you, it will work a lot further. What about correcting one another? Oh, we hate doing that so badly. We hate doing that so badly. In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted... Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now I want you to say, and I'm going to say this to the elders. If a brother is overtaken in a fault, the elders need to deal with it. you understand what I just said? We let things just go on sometimes. And when I say the elders, I'm saying the preacher also ought to do that. And when I say the preacher ought to do that, I'm saying also the members ought to do that. Elders are just to set the example, right? We're to learn from them and do these things. We've got, and that's why I'm trying to get a hold of Norcell. She's got a problem. I don't know what the problem is. But the church should want to help her in that problem. I don't know whether it's financial. I don't know whether it's health-wise. I don't know what it is. But it's desperate that we get a hold of her so that we can help her. In treating the family and neighbors. Religion starts at home. Starts with yourself, moves to your family, then moves out. In Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Are we doing good to each other? And if we're not doing good to each other, I can guarantee you we're not doing good to our neighbors. It starts right here with each other. Then moves out into the community. So you ask yourself, am I really doing good? I like what Gary says ever so often. He says, you know, if I'm doing something wrong, I want you to tell me. And he also says, is there anything else I can do? Well, that's a good question. Is there anything else I can do? Well, if you're really loving your brothers. How many of us call Ginny, Jeannie? We got a few. You know what? It's lonely when you're sick. It's lonely when you're there. And we need to have compassion. Now I'll say this. Some people don't want to be called. I'll say if Sherry's sick, don't call her. Because <laughs> you, you won't get her. She has a telephone That she only uses one way. So we don't need to bug each other, but we need to be concerned. And I'll tell you what, most people that are sick and down like to be called and like to be thought of. I appreciate every call that I get if they're really interested and then the last passage the family you know God made a family physically for us to take care of if anyone does not provide for his own and by the way if you study his own his own goes even further than mother and dad his family if he doesn't provide for his own and especially for those of his household those living in your house he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever can you become an unbeliever you can become worse than an unbeliever Now, if you had the golden rule applied, it would solve capital and labor. It would solve all political contentions and the uproar that we see every day. It would solve all selfishness and greed. And if we have committed the golden rule to our memory, let us now commit it to our life. That's the lesson. If you're here this morning and we can help you obey the gospel of Christ by believing with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, repenting of your sin and confessing Him to be the Christ, and then being baptized into His death where His blood takes away your sins. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?